Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Love at First Psych, the first watch rewatch podcast of Psych. I am one of your co-host, longtime Psych fan, Jay Christie, joined, as always, by first-time Psych fan, Andre Barrera. Andre, how are you? Hey, Jake. I'm good, man. How are you on this fine Thursday? I'm doing uh, well. It looks like you're going through some stuff. Do you mind telling the audience uh, what I just experienced you have for the first time? I I just watched you Uh, have for the first time. Yeah, so me and Jake are both big fans of uh, the Coca-Cola, like, remixes. Um, I'm I'm also even a big fan of the actual remixes. Big fan of trying them. Yeah, just why not, you know? Yeah, 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 for sure. And so, you know, we both... We were talking about it earlier today. We were both fans of the Dreamland. Was it Dreamland mm-hmm. or Dreamworld? Yeah. Dreamland was yes, the one of them, the of the two major ones they had. It was my favorite. Dreamland was good. Um, the Galaxy was okay. It just kind of mm-hmm. tastes like a regular Coke. Um, yeah. But this Rosalia one, the Move, I think mm-hmm. what it is, it tastes like coconut. It's like mm-hmm. coconut Coke, which is yeah. It's like a, it's like fruity in a way. It, once again, I wasn't offended by it. I didn't. I didn't expect to like it because, frankly, like Coca Cola is a pretty perfect beverage as it is like there's not really much a way to improve on it um yeah. uh, it, but it doesn't say anything about any coke like a coconut flavor on there i guess that defeats the purpose but eh. yeah i don't know i honestly i drank a whole thing and i didn't even realize it was rosalia based but um also i don't know anything about rosalia except that um is she the one who has like the diamond in her teeth or am i thinking of someone else i don't know if she has a diamond in her teeth okay well i yeah. I'm on top of almost everything except for popular music. Anyway, start off. We're talking about Psych, episode, Season 1, Episode 7, Who You're Gonna Call. We start off, Psych, Psych. Sean is running home uh, away from a bully. A name apparently Ryan Brickhouse. And, uh, what a name. Yeah, and, and Henry Spencer's father gives him some classic dad advice. You know, you can't run away from the bad guys forever. Yeah, but instead of like the what you think he's gonna tell him to do, which is basically to like fight uh, the mm-hmm. bully, um, he kind of just tells him to find a different way to reach this person in order to, you know, find some common ground or just you know get him off his back. So Sean notices in his backpack, like coming out of it, there's a you know like a math test with an F, a big red F on it. So mm-hmm. Sean offers to help him out. Not necessarily to tutor him, but just to give him some tips on basically the teacher that they have. Um, you know, every third answer is uh, C, I guess, on a multiple mm-hmm. choice test, which, yeah. you know, that's great if you want to do like if you want to score 33 percent. It doesn't really hold up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um also, I mean, I get, I guess in some situations you'd have a multiple choice math test, but there's got definitely going to be some fill in the blanks if the teacher's worth or anything. Um, but anyway, uh, Sean ends up telling him this. And then, of course, Henry calls the teacher because, you know, that's no way to pass a math class. Because um, he's a literal narc. Yeah. Um, also, if I'm that kid and I get an F in math, I'm not just going to have it hanging out of my backpack. Um, you know. Yeah, I, mean, I, I actually I co- several times. Uh, I, I saw a tweet a couple weeks ago that was like a burn calling someone stupid where it was, I know the teachers handed you back your test face down. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is one of the funniest ways I've ever heard someone called stupid. Um, <laughs> that's But that's an old one, right? You just saw it for the I, first time? Yeah. I think, I, I mean, I probably saw it before. One I did definitely saw it for the first time because it's a guy who's a friend of the MC University pod, Cameron Hawkins, tweeted, I know your teachers had to laminate your homework so you wouldn't eat it. 
anyway. random. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, we cut to the psych office, and they have a new employee, uh, Dagmar, who is uh, the new secretary. Yeah, it doesn't strike me as the most German name of all time, but okay, we'll go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Sean hired this person from a temp agency, but not your typical temp agency. It's like a temporary, like, modeling. No, it wasn't it's like a, a modeling agency. agency. Gus thinks that it is. Temp- yeah, it's actually a modeling yeah. agency, which I thought I was going to f- feel seen as someone who works as a receptionist who got his job through a temp agency. But, of course, that's not the situation. Um, I, was, I was not hired for my good looks. Yeah, I mean, and let's be real. Like, if you're going to be hired by a modeling agency... Or, I mean, if you're going to be a model, you're not going to do it out of Santa Barbara. You're probably going to do it out of, you know, L.A. You're Great point. Great point. Yeah. And so, uh, Gus, it turns out, there's big drama at his office where a doctor who Central Coast Pharmaceuticals works with got killed. So, Gus thinks that that's something that he's right, you know, just to mention. But Sean's, of course, like, this is a case for us. So, they go to the scene and... Um, Gus fills in Sean with a little information to pretend to be psychic about. Yeah. Um, it's basically that, <laughs> that there's a Pete Rose photo or yes. uh, poster in the office, which, mm-hmm. you know, um, great. And I just love that. <laughs> my Honestly, my favorite part of the episode was uh, Sean trying to like sneak his way into the office and being like, oh, the spirit of Pete Rose called me here. To which Lazarus mm-hmm. says that Pete Rose isn't dead. But, you know, you don't have to be dead to have a spirit, right? Everyone that is true. Spirit. Yeah. Um, and so they uh, they get in. Jules lets them in because he guessed that. Um, and, of course, the moment he gets, he looks at some clues, sees, like, the murder weapon, a toothpick. But uh, Lazarus stops them. And he there's an exchange that I remember very fondly of, do I make my stay away from this case? Do I make myself clear? Like butter, which is one of the least clear things in existence. So, I I mean, okay, I mean, if we're like, okay, it's like that's not true. That's not true. Okay, no, I mean, I'm not. I don't even mean that. Like, okay, does clarified mean that it's clear in some way? Clarified, right? I think that might be the root of it, but obviously, that's not what clarified butter is. It's ghee, Um, baby. Yeah, uh, ghee. It's yeah. That's a clarified butter. Um, shouts to all types of butter, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, you can still eat butter, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I can't eat wheat. <laughs> oh, it's just wheat? That's all it is? Well, glu- it's gluten is technically another stuff, but for all, for the layman, I can't eat wheat. Um, can you have tortillas? Uh, I can't have flour tortillas. I can have corn tortillas. Ah, corn, that's not bad then. It's not bad. I mean, I, the unfortunate thing is that before I got celiac diagnosed, I did prefer flour tortillas, but you know. You live and you learn. You know that there's like, okay, I don't know if you knew this, but there's like certain kind of tacos that you have flour tortillas versus ones that you have corn tortillas with. I don't know the rules specifically, but I do know that that is a thing. Yeah, typically like any seafood tacos, you have flour tortillas with Yeah. Any sort of like land-based mammal, you typically go with corn tortillas for that. Yes. Um, I mean, I was a big, one of my favorite things to do just as like a easy meal after day work was just get two flour tortillas, some leftover chicken, you know, some spices and sauce mm. and make a quesadilla. Like, that. I mean, I feel, because mm. I'm someone who, I, I for most dinners, I keep it simple, because especially that I get off of work at 6 and I have a half-hour commute, I don't want to be eating at 8.30, you know what I mean? So I try to make something I can do in a half-hour. Anyway. Gotcha. Thankfully, they actually do make uh, 
gluten-free flour tortillas. They're pretty expensive, but if I want a quesadilla, I can have those. Um, Good. Yeah. So um, one thing is that Sean uh, – sorry, they go back to the office and they have a client. The rare client that comes to them, a man named Robert, played by none other than the character actor Frank Whaley. Um, I don't know if you're excited <laughs> to see him. I feel like this is one of the first – not the first, but one of the first like actual actors that's on the show. Yeah, no, I, I I thought the same thing. I think I saw him in something like I don't want to say like super recently, but um, yeah, I remember him from that one movie with fucking Swimming with Sharks. Is that the one with Kevin Spacey? I haven't seen it, but I guess he's in that. Um, yeah, I've seen him in that. I saw him obviously. I mean, I think he, he was one of the guys in Pulp Fiction. Like that he's most yeah in, in Pulp Fiction, he is the one with the big brain. The bit look at the big brain on Brent. Um, oh yeah, okay, gotcha. Yeah, um, um, I'm just looking real quick where I saw him in. It was definitely not Hustlers. I thought I saw him in that. Yes, he's. I believe has no lines in that movie, but he's in it. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. Go on. And so he shows up, and he thinks he's being haunted, which is well, and we get a, a reversal, where um, usually it's Sean who's trying to get Gus to do a case. And in this case, it's Gus who is really into it. And Sean is like, this guy just seemed crazy, which, I mean, yeah. he does because uh, he says there's ghosts and he smells perfume. Um, and the, Sean and Gus end up texting back and forth to each other. It was a nice nostalgia trip to see Sean texting with uh, the the nine digits. Um, yeah, and um, and I think, okay, what I thought was that Gus had a, like, a Nextel phone at the beginning, but it turns out he had one of those, like, sliding phones. Yeah, he did. He had a slide one. And I don't think it was, uh, it wasn't a sidekick. It was just, like, a No, the side, because the sidekick didn't just slide. The sidekick, like, flipped out. Yeah. Did you have one? No, I didn't. I know it very well, though, because it had a tie-in with the game EA Skate, which is one of my favorite games of all time. And so the pause menu was you, like, the animation to get to it was you, one of the things you'd do is you'd hit something and it would, a sidekick graphic would come up and you would, like, navigate through the pause menu with a sidekick. So. Ah, that's kind of cool, man. Yeah, I mean, Skate, great franchise. Skate 4 is in beta testing. Um, I'm truly, my, I know my, my whole family has a, pl- a trip plan to Arizona in September that I'm taking five days off for. I might just not go if Skate 4 comes out that week and say, like, hey, mom, I got to take a week off for this. I got to gotta make some montages, man. Um, I was going to make the easy joke that it's in beta testing just just in time for a beta to play it. Hey, the th- I, I'll say this. I Being called a beta is insulting, but I'm certainly not an alpha. So you got to work with what you got to work with. Um, uh, uh, anyway. I, hate, I um, didn't like that game because you had to, like, you had to, like, ollie by pushing you mean it was hard? Yeah, I it, yeah, it. it was it, it was it was a hard day's work. It wasn't like Tony Hawk where you press the A button, you jumped five feet in the, the air. Best. Tony Hawk's the best. Yeah, no, because in middle school, me, my brother, my twin brother, and our friend Skyler made montages under it's still on YouTube. EA Skate Hollywood, still some great stuff, great tricks. We put it to music, and the reason I stopped doing it is because the the other two people involved didn't want to keep doing it. <laughs> I don't know if I ever would have stopped. Um, anyway. So Skate 4 is coming out. Be on the lookout for those montages. But anyway, um, we learn that he's being haunted. And then, in fact, these ghosts have followed him from San Francisco. Um, So it's clearly not the house. And then the one last piece of evidence he has is that the ghost tried to kill him. And he shows that he has strangulation marks on his neck, which, you know, makes it feel more obviously real. 
You know what this made me all just think about? Why couldn't we have gotten a um a psych monk like crossover show? I feel like that would have been fucking cool. Everyone well. as someone who's subscribed to both R slash monk and R slash psych, it's the thing people say all the time. Um I uh and I'll leave it at that. There's info there I'll say this, there is no psych monk crossover, but there is an Easter egg at some point that I think you will find interesting. I'll leave it at that. Um, but it's one of those that's like not, it's one of the things where like the continuity asshole in my brain is like, well, obviously they can't do that because there's a lot of crossover cast members. So what are they going to say that this that, you know, the art dealer that, uh, you know, Monk sells his paintings to is looks exactly like the guy who breaks into the autopsy room. OK, um, hey, wait, hold on a second, though. Wasn't there like a person on Monk that played two different parts on two different episodes? Yeah, and also that happens a couple of times on Psych. I mean, I'm just being an a-hole. I, I think that, uh, but I care about continuity uh, a good amount. Um, I don't yeah. think so. I don't actually care about continuity as much as I notice it. Anyway, we cut to the next bit where Gus has a bunch of ghost hunting gear. Because I feel like, like, 06 was, like, the height of the TV ghost hunting TV show. You know what I mean? Was it? I mean, I never watch any of those shows. I already, do you, no, okay, first I. of all, my, my question, do you believe in ghosts? No. Um, I... I don't believe in anything beyond our lives. And by the way, uh, just only Audrey is showing his cat, and he, he his cat is adorable. And so I'm trying to just think about the question, the complex question you asked. Um, but I'm someone who I need affirmative evidence, basically, to believe in anything. Uh, and um, yeah, I haven't seen. If I saw a ghost tomorrow, I wouldn't immediately dismiss it. But as far as I can tell. I have no reason to believe that ghosts exist, so I do not. So nothing's ever happened to you? Nothing's ever happened to you? Nothing you couldn't explain? Have things in my... Honestly, not anything that comes... Like, not anything so out of balance. stuck with you. No, exactly. Like, genuinely, I have not... It's not even like I'm like... There's not even something I, like, talk myself out of. Like, I honestly have not had any paranormal experiences. What about you? Okay, well, I mean, I think the thing is... I mean, I don't know if this is a specific um situation but typically what you'll find with anyone that was raised roman catholic like and like in the hispanic neighborhood they tend to be very superstitious and like very oh for sure the oh yeah i'm sure it's Wait, isn't that what it is probably... the ojo isn't that what it is the, the ojo isn't there like a thing about like this superstition about the eye where like you or my is that specific to like mexico because i've heard um mexicans talk about that I've never heard that in my life. Right, and I'm not looking up. <laughs> I've never heard of that. I mean, I just know that's your eye, literally. Uh, the Oh, yeah, it's an old mind superstition called the El Mal de Ojo. Um, yeah. Oh, I believe. Okay, I see that. Um, yeah, yeah, I've never heard of that in my life. But, I, I, well, but I'm glad. I, I'll be honest with you. I'm very glad I didn't make up something racist. Anyway, continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that has like nothing to do with like being Catholic. Oh, yeah. Like Catholic yeah. is like the worst part of it because like yeah. you think that everything has to do with the devil or like mm-hmm. something that's leading you astray, all kinds of stuff. So like I grew up with like my mom's side. Like she couldn't watch The Exorcist. She thought it's like the most evil movie in the on like this planet. Mm-hmm. And you know I watch it now and I'm just like this is like this is like child's play. No pun intended. It's not like the Chucky movie. I mean, it's just like, no. it's nothing. It's nothing. Um, I mean, like, it's a good movie though. Yeah, it's fine. Um, I mean, yeah, it's great. It's that's a wild take. Yeah, it's just is great. I, I... Yeah, I don't think it's that great, honestly. Um, anyways, I think Rosemary's Baby is way better. Anyways, fair. 
my mom's side, sorry, my dad's side is like the more Mexican side. I mean, obviously, it's the only Mexican side. Yeah. And they believe in everything, like from fucking trolls to like <laughs> the, the La Llorona to like yeah. the devil showing up at a seminary. Literally, my dad told me about like when he, because he was such a bad kid, they sent him to a seminary. Do you know what a seminary is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay. uh, for the record, I was also raised in a Catholic household, but I was raised in a very secular white Catholic household. But I do know okay. the term, and yeah. Because the thing is, there really are two types of Catholics in America. There are Catholics, to be frank, tends to be Catholics of color are tend to be more superstitious and actually adherent to things, whereas white Catholics tend to be like, they go to church twice a year and they say they're Catholic and they occasionally say Hail Mary. You know what I mean? And that was more Irish that. people? Uh, I was actually both Irish and Italian, and it, honestly, Italian said to be more serious about it, but I was definitely raised in a more Irish Catholic, go to church twice a year. You know, my dad would feel... The only thing I really got from Catholicism was the ingrained guilt. But anyway, you continue. Yeah, like, my dad literally told me a story about when he was at the seminary. Because, like, mm-hmm. at the time, like, they would send you to the seminary to be... Because, like, you were a bad kid. Yeah. So he went there and he told the story about like this black horse walking its way over to like mm-hmm. the field that they were in. And that like little one by one, every kid there like decided to get on top mm-hmm. of the horse until like all 40 kids were on top of this horse. And then mm-hmm. he was just like, literally the horse was the devil. Like they looked at it in the eye and it was like, it had red eyes. And I'm just like, all right, man, like <laughs> fucking relax with this shit. But yeah, that's the kind of levels of like weird shit that like I've grown up with where yeah. I I've experienced like ghost stuff, mm-hmm. let's just say, mm-hmm. um, here in LA. Um, and yeah, I believe in that. I do. Yeah, it's a I, long way is, to go. Yes. I'm not, like I said, I'm not completely opposed to the idea of it. It's just, I genuinely have not had any experiences. And I think that, and very well, it could, I, I could have had some minor experience that I didn't chalk up to it because I just am not wired that way. I think another thing about me too is that I am very, I'm, I'm actually not super trustful of my own observations. So like, if I see something that's out of whack, I'm more likely to be like, I must have just misunderstood that or didn't pay attention that hard. And I say that not mm-hmm. because I'm being like skeptical, but because I have genuinely had experiences where I remember something completely different than how it actually happened because the human mind isn't actually pretty bad at, you know, observing things. Um, and yeah, so, yeah. like, I kind of I'm I'm actually pretty open to be like, yeah, you know, that was I probably just wasn't paying that close attention this or the other. Um, but if I hey, if I see a ghost, I'll update you guys. But anyway, Gus has gear. Yeah. What a tangent. And it's I mean, this is what people tune in, I think. Um, and yeah. so Gus has gear and Sean is being like, What do you mean ghosts aren't real? But yada yada yada. And then Gus tells his story about why he believes in ghosts. And why does he believe in ghosts, Andre? He believes in ghosts because when he was a child and he's never told anyone about this experience that he sorry, yeah. not a child. He was twelve years old. Yeah. Um, and he never told anybody. And so one night it was late, Gus heard a voice and it it wasn't coming from a tv it wasn't coming from the radio it was coming from the walls and the voice is telling him that their house was built on an old indian burial ground and before this was like goes any further i was just like this is like the cheapest fucking like excuse for anything like for any ghost related stuff like in american media typically yeah well yeah because so, yeah it's yeah, they call out the reference to Poltergeist, but... Yeah. I've never seen Poltergeist, so I don't even oh, fucking know is, that. Poltergeist is a movie that I think a lot of people, because it was, like, PG and is not that gnarly, say isn't good. And as someone who watched it for the first time as an adult, it rules. Uh, those people are dumb. Is that Craig T. Nelson? 
Craig T. Nelson, Joe Beth Williams. Um, Two thirds of the people who play the kids died within five who years. Died? Yeah, 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 yeah. Not great. Was it one of the girls, the one that like she got raped and murdered by like her? I don't. Uh, I believe it was like uh, yes, it was an ex. It was uh, Dominique Dunn, whose father was yeah. Dominic Dunn, crime of uh, like L.A. I think he wrote for the like, L.A. Times or whatever. Uh, anyway, covered the O.J. trial. So, and then the other one was like stomach. Uh, I think a stomach ulcer or something. Anyway. Poltergeist, it's an Indian burial, burial ground. It's done really well there because, of course, it was like the ma- first time it was done in a big movie, you know. Um, and uh, Sean reveals that the cheesiness is intentional, of course, because Sean was the one behind the whole Indian burial ground thing because he had put a walkie-talkie in Gus's wall to fuck with him. Yeah, which... It's just like the the furthest the latest example of just how much of an asshole Sean was to Gus as a kid. And yes. I guess maybe it's some sort of projection from like how much of his dad his dad was like kind of a dick to him. Yes. I think the thing that But it makes me feel really bad. I feel bad for Gus. And I think yeah. but I think the thing that you eventually come to realize as the show goes on and they have a better handle of these characters is that Sean there's a lot of assholeish things that Sean did and Sean does. But Gus is someone who is a complete stick in the mud. And for all the asshole stuff he does, Gus would basically, if you get the impression that Gus would never have lived or had any experiences in his life if Sean wasn't there to tug him along. Where, and all, at the same time, Sean would never be do anything constructive with his life if Gus wasn't there to rein him in. And so that's why they're good friends. I, I think that, that's te- that eventually is what the show settles on. I think that that is a accurate thing. I think right now it's too much in one direction, but eventually they get yeah. it balanced. You know what's funny though? I think that like literally this show is like some sort of encapsulation of you and I. Yeah. Like our personalities as as far as that goes. Like I'm definitely the Sean and you're like us. Yeah. I exactly yeah, I because de- I'm I, frankly, I, I think the reason why I am able to have the take I just had is because I need people like Sean in my life to do things. You know what I mean? Like I, I just someone who, do, who, who, and frankly, I don't have enough. And so that's why I don't do a lot. Um, and so like, I think that I, I, I'm willing to forgive some of that asshole because, you know, if everyone is, it, it, it comes with the territory. But anyway, um, we then cut to a scene where Carlton Lasseter is buying figurines on the internet. Um, and he's sending them to his ex-wife, um, who eventually we meet in, I think, season three, played by a name guest star who I won't tell you. Um, so, uh, is this the first time we find out that his name is Carlton? His name's Carlton? Yeah. Or is that the first time I don't realize? I, I, I don't know, obviously, because it's not something I'm looking for because I know his name is Carlton. Um, but anyway, uh, so. We also learned that they had the medical files, but then we cut to they're at Robert's house and we see some clues that, you know, the paintings are upside down. Sean spots in red hair. There's an X over him in a photo. And um, Sean uses a photo album as an eagle, we later learn, to do some psychic stuff. Um, but he he's oh, he's just faking it till he makes it, um, which but he, Robert's pretty distraught. Yeah, you know, as anybody would be. Um yeah, it's uh it's a tough situation, you know. He's he's very like distraught as you mentioned and he puts his head down to like do some of the worst fake crying I've ever seen on film or Yeah. Yeah. 
And Gus and Sean make it a point to rock, paper, scissors their way to see who's got to be the one to comfort him. And he, Sean wins it at first. Mm-hmm. But Gus insists by mouthing that best two out of three, which which is the only you... way to do rock paper scissors. You got it. Is it okay? Yeah, it. Okay, that was my question. That was my question. Yeah, okay. I feel like you got it. Do you have one you gravitate towards first? Typically, generally, I do rock first. Um, yeah. but just because I feel like this is such a dumb, but I feel like scissors is like mentally my instinct of what to do first. Like if you ask me to do one of the poses with my hand, yeah, my yeah, instinct yeah. is scissors. The last and one so, I will do is like paper. Paper, yeah. Um, but also I'm bad at uh, rock paper scissors because it's a thing you can over. It's the way to win is just to over, not overthink it, and uh, not something yeah, I can do. That's true. That's true. And so anyway, uh, by the way, I, sh- I was gonna say because of the bad crying, that's why they don't call him Frank Wailing. Uh, mm. And so after Sean and Gus are alone, oh, they decide they're gonna spend the night um, to see, you know. For, look for proof and sean basically is like this is definitely a pissed off ex-girlfriend there's exes through photos there's red hair all over um this is open and shut this is easy you know uh so they go to sleep ready to like reveal this the next day but they don't wake up to birds chirping into the sun rising they wake up to something more terrifying yeah um somebody lit a fire in that room that they're sleeping in and mm-hmm. um you know how it took that long before because there was like fumes going up like for a while yeah um but yeah they wake up in a panic obviously and um they don't see who caused the fire and mm. you know just uh clearly someone is after robert in some capacity so yeah. we'll find out it's really strange that there's no like fire department presence because that fire did not seem small enough to just put out by themselves like i mean but like when you see the damage i mean yeah i guess you're right of course but I mean, when you see, like, what actually happened in the house, it seemed like it was just, like, a... Well, I guess what I would say is that that also is true, where, like... But the in the scene where they're woken up by the fire, it feels like it's all across the room. And then when they cut to the actual aftermath, it's just, like, one curtain. It's like a anyway. curtain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so Sean is trying to calm Robert down, um, and Gus goes to check the doors, and he realizes that they were not unlocked. Um the door, no, they were locked from the inside, locked. so... Yes, they, that's what I mean. They're not unlocked, and they're locked from the inside. Um, yeah. And uh, as Gus is telling him this information, Sean notices a, a little a little souvenir on Gus's head. Yeah, he's got a nice little kissy face, kissy marks on his uh, forehead, um, which I was, like, curious where this was going, but, yeah, it looks like someone left a little something for him to find in the morning. Yes. Um, and so uh, Sean takes like a little print of it on a napkin for safekeeping. Um, we then cut to um, Lasseter and Juliet. We get a little update that they're looking for a patient of uh, the doctor, Dr. Blaine Blin. I don't remember what it was. Blin. Blin. Uh, who, uh, a patient that just has a P.O. box as an address and they can't find her. Her name's Regina Kane. Um, do you have your head a P.O. box? Have I? No, I've never lived in like Wyoming, so no. I mean, you could the PO box is not just for it's if you don't want to receive mail at your house. I mean, I've never. Why would had you not want to receive mail at your house? If it's like a business thing, or you know, um, I'm I'm just I was just asking if you're at a PO box. I don't know. They're pretty easy yeah, to set up. That seems insane to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm I used to have to give my old my old job. We took payment check payments via a PO box. Um, 
Right, but that wouldn't be you having it. It's your business having it. No, I know that, but, like, hypothetically, if I were to, you know, like, let's say this podcast blows up, right, and people want to send us, like, fan merch, like, fan art, you would open up a P.O. box because you don't want to give out your address. Like, that's, I think people do. I wouldn't really care about that. I I would. Look, Andre Brer ready to dox himself. You heard it here first. Um, I'm I'm not hard to find. That's true. That's the always thing too. Whenever people are like really worried about, like it's like the thing I always say about any sort of like any of those things like that is the number one thing preventing like your identity from being stolen or for someone hunting you down. The number one thing is that someone doesn't want to. Like if someone really wants to find you, they'll find you. Like it's not. I mean, it's, it's not that hard to do. No. Um. And so anyway, um. Sean mentions, you know that. They they want to see the find his ex girlfriend because uh, she has a motive, but Gus says he can't make it because he has work. Um, and uh, at this this moment, we see uh, Lassie the two stories intertwine where Lassie and Juliet are in the same neighborhood. Sean learns about Regina Kane, just a little piece of information, and then um, they go to a jerk chicken, and Gus then wakes up, and uh, it's a new day. And Sean did something that is, is a crime. He did commit a serious crime to Gus. Yeah, he did. But okay, sorry. I I, I want to like reel it back a little bit. Um, of course, I'm doing this. The show has never had structure. Wait, hold on. Okay, sorry. No, I, we hadn't gotten there yet. I'm I'm just looking at my notes while you're doing this. Um, yeah, Gus. I mean, Sean did something that's illegal. He literally drugged his boy. Gus mm-hmm. with six allergy pills, which I think you only really need one or two, two probably at the most. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I also feel like if you're gonna drug someone, there are better things to do than allergy pills because I guarantee you that, like, because allergy pills don't just put you to sleep. So I'm, he's probably gonna have like a bunch of other reactions, you know? Like, yeah, I'm just curious, like, what happened? Did, like, did Sean at some point volunteer to like take the wheel or like? I think what? they said at a gas station. It was something like that. Um, I see. Yeah, not great. Um, don't drug your friends. Uh, but they're in Palo Alto, um, home of, of course, Stanford University. Um, you know, famously. Uh, and so, um, thanks for that. I I'm I'm filibustering as yeah. I scroll through my notes and decide what I'm going to say next. Okay, Gus says he's not going to talk to Sean because of the drugging. Understandable. Uh, <laughs> like yeah, not course. an unreasonable thing. Um, and so they go up to Amy, who's the ex's door, and immediately Sean says it's not her, and they walk away. Um, and why does yeah. Sean know it's not her? Uh, because, like, the shape of her lips dictate that, that it, it's not, it doesn't match the pattern of the ones that were on Gus's forehead. Um, yes, but, of course, all this are communi- like fingerprints. Yeah, all this is communicated through text message because... Gus is still insisting on the silent treatment. Yes. Um, but Gus appropriately points out that if they drove all the way up to Palo Alto, um, they got to at least talk to her. Uh, and so yeah. as this is going on, we cut back to Santa Barbara, where we learn that Lasseter got all those dolls sent back to him. Um, and uh, we're getting that little B story uh, updated. Um, and then we cut to Sean and Gus, who their cover talking to Amy is that Robert, who's an artist, listed her as a reference um, for their gallery, which they wanted to call Le Petit Louvre, Le mm-hmm. Deux, 
Louvre Junior and Night Gallery. Um, but Amy's confused because, of course, they broke up. Yeah, they broke up. Not only did they break up, but she's got she's happily engaged and has the yeah. new ring to show off. Yes. And uh, I'm happy for her. And this scene contains one of my favorite lines. This is if I list my top t- 100 favorite lines in Psych, most of which, of course, are in later seasons. Jesus. Uh-huh. Uh, this is one of my favorites where we learn that uh, when she says that Robert cheated on her, that apparently he was seen at a club. And when asked, he said his name was Martin Brody. And uh, Sean says, what, Roy Scheider's character from Jaws? And Amy says, yeah, how'd you know? Uh, I've seen Jaws. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, yeah. I love, I, I love it. Completely <laughs> insane. I mean, I don't know. Okay. What do you think is the most insane movie for someone to have never seen in their life? At this point in time. I'll say this. I didn't see Jaws until I was an adult because I didn't see almost any movie until I was an adult. Interesting. Um, mostly so because, as I've said before, as I've said before, uh, my parents, we just watched, we watched things like Psych. And so with the time that people normally spend with their parents showing the movies, we just watched new TV. Um, so would it be something person. like, like, uh, like Beauty and the Beast or like Cinderella or something like that? Yeah, I mean, those and that, those type of movies, like, I haven't seen them since I was very young. Like, I don't remember anything about them, but I know I was shown them. Right. Um, right. I would say, yeah, some, I would say it would have to be something like that because, like, the thing about, like, a lot of the classics from, like, the 70s, like, you want to say, like, The Godfather or something, but the thing ultimately is that, like, we're now two generations away from The Godfather. So if you're, like, 20... Your parents were born after The Godfather came out. You know what I mean? So it's like... I mean, I saw Godfather for the first time like a month or two months ago. I'd never seen it before. You know, the thing about The Godfather is it fucking rules. <laughs> like, it's really good. It's really it's, good. It's really good. Yeah. yeah. The, thing, the thing... And I've said this before. The thing about and, and most hot, movies... Hot take? Hot yeah. take? Goodfellas is not that good. That's a dumb take. And I, that's it's fine. It's not that great. It's not that people, great. I've heard other people say it's that. It's okay. I've heard other it's people okay. say that. And and I'm not I'm not so passionate about Goodfellas that I'm gonna like get mad at you. I just Howard Ratner gif. I disagree. Okay, let's just is it, put it is, in it, that. is it even is it even like top fifteen movies for you of all time? No, of course not. But okay, I've so seen then... I've seen like thirteen hundred movies in my life, so it's not Same. that. Yeah, so if a movie is not in my top fifteen all time, it's not that good. What do you mean? What the fuck are you trying to say? No, but it's just like it shouldn't be like a a point of contention, or it shouldn't be shocking in some way. I I, I, know, I for the record, I think I said it was. I was pretty clear that I don't find it shocking because you're you're not the first person who I've heard this take from. In fact, almost every classic movie, someone says it's not that good, and that's fine. There are classic movies that I don't think are that good, but. I've never seen Casablanca or Gone with the Wind, so we'll see. How yeah, neither have I. Honestly, I should. I I own. As I think we've discussed, I only ever watched Citizen Kane because I wanted to understand Mank. So I can't really, you know. I um, thought that was a prerequisite to going to NYU. No, it's not. Because uh, I was in the dramatic writing program, which is not the film program, which is like a – and I was I was a TV concentrate. Thank you very much. So, Okay, I see. Um, yeah, and I, you know, uh, they, they – actually, they, they – I actually lied on my form. I said that I was a huge fan of Casablanca, that I had a uh, Casablanca-themed 16th birthday. You're, are um, you serious? No, of course not. No. Oh, okay. I was gonna call you a no. scumbag for that. No, I, I, I've not. I, I almost. I'm incapable of like doing the most. I've never even lied on a resume. Like I, I, you know, I. For real? I, I mean, I've sort of slightly exaggerated my skills on certain programs, but I've never done anything that I would call a lie. No, mostly because I just have nightmares of stress, nightmares of being called out on it. 
But anyway, um, th- we cut back to Santa Barbara. They're in the parking lot of Psych, and they're sitting there in the car, and someone tries to run into them, and they get out of the way, and uh, the car crashes, and Sean is convinced that they it was a it was a setup. Yeah, it was a setup. Um, and what they do notice in like the aftermath of the well, basically they crashed after they tried to you know run into them. Yeah. And the person ran off. We didn't get to see their face, but what we do notice, like on the seat, I guess, of the car of the pass mm-hmm. of the driver's seat, is a a chops. Sorry, a chopstick. Um, a toothpick. A toothpick. A toothpick. A chewed up mm-hmm. toothpick, specifically. Yes. Um, and so they go to Robert's place to try to talk to him about it. And there is a message in paint on the mirror that says "Save me, I'm trapped." Um, I do love the line Gus says because he thinks it's blood. And uh, he says, enjoy your hepatitis. <laughs> um, yeah, 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 I do like that, too. And they follow the paint drips to an attic, um, which is like a weird, like, ladder attic. As the Cali boy. That's outdoors? I mean, you... That's outdoors? Yeah. Okay, so it's not, that's weird for you. Because I was thinking, like. That's weird, I, yeah, yeah, yeah of, that's weird. When I think of California boys, I think it's like, it's you, it's Lil B. So, like, I was thinking that, is it um, a California thing? Um, Attics, definitely, yeah. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not addicts generally. I mean, like that type of thing where there's a ladder in, because in 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 the eastern yeah, East no, there coast, is. Addicts are like yeah. not the big difference between addicts in the east coast and west coast is that in the east coast, addicts are almost never like livable. They're purely just storage. They're like only like four feet yeah, tall. Yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah. Whereas yeah. I know in California, it is. It's like it's the equivalent of what a basement is in the northeast. Correct. Yeah, and that's where I'm getting at. Like, if you have your monk uh bingo cards left over from last time we're about to bring up zodiac because yeah you know everybody in southern california might have an attic but they sure as fuck don't have a basement or in uh, california period unless they're what's his face the guy isn't that the guy isn't the guy also the guy who played roger rabbit isn't that the actor who uh charles fleischer um the one who plays the guy who they fake out to be the killer yeah i think so i forgot i don't know what his name is in real life but i remember it was like his name was like ray something uh, let me look it up. I'm just gonna double check. I think I think it is. Uh, yeah, the actor who brings the brings down with the films that is uh the guy who plays Roger Rabbit. That's what we call range, folks. Uh, no shit. Are you serious? That's the guy who did I'm, the voice for fucking Roger Rabbit. Correct. Yeah, because it was supposed to be Paul Rubens, but he like they he wanted too much money, and so they went to Charles Fleischer. So this um, is before he jacked off in the movie theater. Which, to be well, fair, I still think that's kind of bullshit that everyone like, also, got so also you know, you know where you know where that movie theater was Sarasota County, Florida, like twenty minutes away from my parents live right now. <laughs> was it? I, I, yeah, it I was torn down. It was here. I, I would have assumed it was here. No, it was actually t- he was visiting his parents who lived in Sarasota County, as many parents do. My parents, for instance. Um, have you ever been in that theater? No, because as as I said, you were listening. It got torn down. It's now an empty lot. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was listening, but I was just hoping to catch you. Yeah, in fact, that we actually talked about it because that was actually the fourth episode of uh, the show Sorted History I used to do. Uh, we talked about it before the pod. I was going to try to tie it back, but I'm like, wait, no, that was a pre-pod conversation. Whenever I think yeah. of addicts, so I think of uh, I remember a point that was on the Rewatchables podcast, uh, the Ringer does about the movie um, Insidious, where like that's where it's a because so many horror movies take place in the Northeast because, like, the Northeast is kind of where a lot of movies take place. And they based yeah. them in the scary thing. And that Insidious, yeah. I think Sean Fantasy said, was one of the first movies to treat an attic in California as scary as Northeast basements are. Um, which I thought was an interesting point. Was Insidious in California? I know the yeah. house is, but I didn't know yes. that it took place there. Yes, it's very much a California movie. I, I, speaking as someone who is not 
from California. It feels very California, and it is. Because, uh, like, that style of house is just so not. And it's, it's like not, Victorian. What are you talking about? It, no, the way like the the way that it's done with like where it's like three levels with the attic that's fully built out. Like it just I, I can't really. I, it's one of those things I can't explain why it just completely feels like a cow. It never. It feels like nothing that exists in anywhere I've lived. Anyway, um, so in the attic, it's basically a full apartment. There's a lot of shoes. There's wigs. There's jewelry. Now at this moment, did you get what the twist was? Like what the plot was? I mean, I feel like I would have been able to guess it previously, um, but I don't know. I recently, in the last month or two, I've watched the film Dress to Kill by Brian De Palma. I watched that like four months ago. Which is a great movie, but it's like... <laughs> incredibly problematic. <laughs> it is incredibly problematic. And it has so the exact same twist as this. Yes. So is this episode. Let's start about it. Let's start about it. We're going to yeah. stop with the plot for a bit. The, the, the twist of this episode is that... Uh, Robert has dissociative identity disorder, which is the split personality disorder, which for the record, scientists... Is that what really it is? Dis- yes. Is what scientists it is? really disagree that even if it exists. There's actually a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of evidence to suggest it's actually just a combination of like schizophrenia, among other things, and it never really is as simple as people having completely different personalities. That's really just fiction. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, truly, I... Because it's... Because I care about dumb bullshit like this, it's... I would say it's almost a majority of scientists think it's just truly not a thing. Um... Yeah, but in what the idea is, one of his personalities is a woman, and that woman is wants to get gender reassignment surgery, and the other personality, the third personality, Martin Brody, is trying to stop her. Now, the reason, among other reasons, why this is problematic, beyond the way that Sean and Gus treat Robert, which correct is problematic, but ultimately, I'm willing to be like whatever because it's 2006, and that's just the way that that would be treated. The thing that genuinely yeah. is problematic and like is kind of unforgivable is that like. There is no way that Regina would get any steps into the process of getting gender reassignment surgery if she had these mental issues. And there's no way that they wouldn't be able to detect those. Like, it's correct. Because I think what that reinforces is the idea that transness is a mental illness and that it is a thing that, like, it is. It is equivalent, thinking that you're a woman is equivalent to having a schizophrenic second personality. I think that that is something that is like, not, oh, it's bad that we used to do this in comedies back then, to instead, like, it is kind of insidiously bad to imply that someone thinking they're a woman is tantamount to having such a mental disorder that you think you have multiple personalities. That is the thing that I actually have a problem with. I can just be like, whatever is 2006 and a lot of the other stuff, but that is, I think, genuinely bad. Right, and if you wanted to, like, you know, play the other angle, you could say that, like, okay, you know, maybe that's the case, and, like, maybe they felt that way, but the fact that there is two, there's another personality on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's two male personalities, and one female personality, and, like, clearly the male personalities are not wanting to get shut out by this gender reassignment surgery, which is what we get into towards the end of this. And the thing that doesn't make a lot of sense is that it's clear that... Robert is aware of Regina. Sorry, Robert is unaware of any other personalities. Correct. Regina yeah. is aware of Robert, and Martin Brody is aware of both of them. The thing that makes yes. no sense is why would Regina go forward with a gender reassignment surgery if she knows about Robert's existence? Like that, that they actually just never explain that whatsoever, and that is like it. It's the reason why the episode, like the whole plot, falls apart because. This is not how transness works. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I think that that's kind of 
they they try to like they basically try to do the exact same twist as Dress to Kill, but in the same way that it wasn't medically and psychologically accurate in the eighties, it's not psychologically accurate in two thousand six. Well, I mean, it's worse that it happens now, to be quite honest. But at the same oh, time, for sure. like, and that's not a fucking but, pervert but, like Brian De Palma. Of course, yes. Also that, but no, I mean, it, I mean, it, there is a lot to be said that like in the last 20, 10 years, like a lot more has been discovered or a lot more has been accepted. Of course. So of course. Yeah. So like, you can't possibly expect like, I mean, I know that it's 2006, but at the same time, 2006 was like when corn was still around and like, who the fuck accepts that anymore? Yeah. The thing is, yeah, exactly. And I'm putting it in a very crass way. No, no, I understand. And I think like you were saying about, you know, 2006 corn was still around. I guess it's like something takes a part of me when uh, we talk about. Yeah, 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 yeah. What? No, but I, sorry. I guess I, I I was just trying to explain because I think it's important when, People talk about things that are problematic in the past. I think it's important to uh, to separate things that are like, oh, it's dumb that we do that, and to understand the, the way things have changed. I think that it's kind of I simultaneously hate when people are like say like this is bad because it's problematic, and I really hate when people are like, oh, these kids complaining things are problematic. Like I think you talked about it. You talk about why certain things age well and things don't, and I think it would be a, doing it a service right. as someone who genuinely cares a lot about, especially I mean in this right now in March 2023, the way that trans people are under attack. I think it is important for me, at least, to explain why I think that this is reinforces some of the bad ideas that genuinely still exist today. Of course. Yeah. And on top of that, like, you know, it's not the most important thing in the world, but like the fact of the matter is like, this was an episode that aired on USA for like X amount of people. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this wasn't like, I don't know. It was, it, it didn't have the ratings. It didn't have the pull. It didn't have the influence of anything like of a lot of things that are like that would have more of an effect. So yeah, this might've fallen upon like deaf ears to a certain point, but it's just like really interesting to see. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I'm yeah, sure like a lot of TV was like that period. Like, no, for general. sure. I, I, I think I, you bring up dressed kill is I think an important point because i think the whole idea is that like while i think if you were to say this in these words to the writer's room of psych 2006 they would be like this is not what we're trying to say but it is yeah. unavoidable to interpret what this episode is saying is that being trans is not really separatable from mental illness and that kind of is the icky thing that dressed to kill didn't in 1981 you know what i mean and so anyway Correct. we can move on to the actual plot but i feel like it's worth discussing because this is, it's, Psych actually really isn't problematic almost ever. And this was an episode specifically when we decided to do this, I was thinking about, like, it's going to be interesting rewatching this. I mean, um, I wrote that down several times. And on top of that, we like to talk about movies because we fucking love movies. And yeah. 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 Um, anyway, yeah, shout out to Dress to Kill. Uh, you know, Brian. Still a pretty good, still a pretty good movie. All oh, like yeah, that for stuff. Sure. Yeah, I'm standing. As I'm watching something, I'm o- almost always able to turn off. That, unless it, like, ruins the plot. Like, for example, the thing I was talking about is that the whole, like, gay brother plot in Wedding Crashers is not something I can ignore because it's just actually bad if you're not homophobic. Um, whereas, like, Dress to Kill is still a good thriller, even if you're willing to acknowledge, even if you're thinking about the ways that it's inaccurate. Anyway, what they do is they yeah. decide they have to try to get Regina out. And so they bring Robert up there, and they, like, put perfume on him. They put him in, like, a shawl. And eventually Regina comes out, and Regina is very fond of Gus. Um, and, uh, she starts putting on her face. Yeah. She puts on her face. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, all of my stuff is just like, what the fuck is going on? Uh, Regina yeah. is basically picking up on Gus. Um, and I guess right now is a confirmation there are like split personalities in some way. And you know what? If I if I hadn't fucking seen Dress to Kill recently, I would have immediately drawn upon like Split or something else. Yeah. Like, which yes. is like. Which I mean, I watched all, Split like, for the first time like three weeks ago. So because uh-huh. I was I, yeah. caught, I caught up on all of M. Night's filmography before uh, Knock of the Cabin. Um, and so actually, like sorry, I, I did. No, I, I did. I didn't watch Last Airbender or After Earth, but I watched everything else. Let's see. Why did you choose to skip those? Uh, because I didn't, I never watched the cartoon. Honestly, mostly because those are like considered his like not even redeemable ones. And like apparently, but you watch the happening because the happening is one. It's a ninety minutes long, and two because, and I I feel this way. It's bad in an interesting way. Whereas I've been told the other two are just boring. Like I'm fine watching. And as we say many times, my time is not valuable at all. Like my time is less valuable than like Zimbabwe's dollar when it had hyperinflation. Like it's really not valuable. So like. What was, what was I doing? You know? Yeah, fair enough. Um, also, the f- first, like, te- five minutes of the happening is fucking incredible. <laughs> where there's just, like, p- people killing themselves randomly. Like, it's, like, genuinely scary. And then they cut to Mark Wahlberg, like, what's happening? There's a happening going on. Zoe Deschanel, I think she cheated on me. We're married. Honestly, John Leguizamo, you're my best friend. I haven't seen the whole movie. I saw, like, maybe half of it. But I thought Mark Wahlberg was, like, so bad. It's time. one of the worst like, castings ever. I it's, can't watch it's, it. It's disastrous because it is – he's supposed to be the – those are the people like, wait, give me one second, guys. Let me just figure out what's going on. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so – I uh, feel like, okay, in some yeah. weird way, I feel like a, an interesting parallel just because recently me and my wife, we were like – we were at home mm-hmm. and we were like – I don't know what it was. Did we – I don't remember if, like, if we had like too much to drink, if we came somewhere else. But we decided to watch War of the Worlds. I, I haven't rewatched it since I was a kid, but I've heard – as an adult, I've heard it's good, but I don't know what you thought about it. I mean, I liked it at the time. I yeah. fell asleep halfway through this time, and I still liked it. Yeah. But it's just, like, really interesting to see that it's kind of like the same deal. Like, it's kind of like the watch same it again. deal. I need to watch it again because as when I, I saw it when I was, like, eight, and I didn't really – I thought it was just, like – a lot of explosions or whatever. And now yeah. as an adult, I've heard a lot of smart people I know say it like it's the best post 9-11 movie about the images of 9-11. And I think that that's an interesting Dude, okay. idea. Yeah, yeah. I was listening to like a podcast today. Like I think it was a 70 millimeter podcast. You listen to that one? I do not, but I'm, I am I know of his existence. Yeah. So they were talking about like how the Spielberg movies after like yes. 9-11 are like kind of referring I mean, to I that think kind that. Of thing. For example, I think that Munich is the best movie on the War on Terror ever made, and it has. I not fucking anything. love Munich, dude. Munich, I, it, yeah. I think it's genuinely the best movie about the War on Terror made, and it has nothing to do with the War on Terror, but it is obviously about it. Um, it's about the idea yes. that if something bad happens, no matter how many people you go out and kill to make yourself feel better about it, you're just creating more pain, and you're not actually solving the issue. But you know. Uh, and, oh man! Uh, yes. I, yes. I I think you're agreeing on this that like post Saving Private Ryan, Steven Spielberg might be the most underrated filmmaker because <laughs> he's just making hits after hits and people are like, yeah, I guess Minority Report's pretty good. No, <laughs> Minority Report is awesome. That's actually my, yeah. that's my yeah. favorite that's Spielberg my, movie. That's my point. My point being, if anyone else yeah. made my, he made Minority Report and Catch Me If You Can in the same year. If anyone else I've made that, that. Like, oh, Catch Me If You Can fucking rules. But think about how many movies Steven Spielberg made in the 2000s that if anyone else made them, you'd be like, oh, that's classic. But because the guy had to fucking make E.T., people won't, anyway. I think I've only never seen three movies of his. 
Um, I haven't seen the couple. I actually think also I'm almost positive you're wrong because there's some that I'm positive you haven't seen. No, uh, I've never seen uh, Empire of the Sun. Uh-huh. I've Neither never seen 19, 19 something. 41. And I've never seen War Horse. And you've never seen Always, I don't think. Oh, that one too. That's it. And I don't think you've ever seen The Adventures of Tintin. I've seen that. Oh, okay. Did you see the BFG? The what? BFG? The BFG. Yeah, Oh yeah, damn! I okay, that. so I guess you have. I I always was the one. I'm like, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Oh, have you even seen Sugarland Express? Which one? Sugarland Express is first. Oh no, no 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 no! So five. So, so it's five yeah. movies. I need to catch yeah. up on it too. I haven't seen. I haven't seen a lot of. The, I haven't seen like Hook, um, mostly because it's two and a half hours long, and you know I don't have the childhood nostalgia for it, so I don't think I like it. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's just finish up the episode. This is a yeah yeah. Let's do it. Let's well, do this it. is a great tangent heavy episode because, frankly. This episode's fine. I'm not, but I'm not. I'm more interested in talking about Steven Spielberg's filmography than I am this episode. Um, and so, basically, they end up talking to Robert again, and um, they don't really resolve that issue. But Sean and Gus end up going to the police station, um, and they hold on. Sorry, at- my my question was, what was Doctor Flynn or Blynn? Doctor Blynn, what I was- think was, I think was like, it's really unclear. That's my guess based like, on the office. My my guess based on the way the office looked was that he was a psychologist because it didn't look like there's any medical equipment. But right. Anyway, they go to the police station. They're left alone at Lassie's desk, and he looks at the stuff about Regina Kane as Lassie is shooting the figurines mm-hmm. that he bought. And so Sean puts it together that Martin Brody is the one doing the murders. Um, and that he remembers that in Regina's date book, there's another appointment with another doctor. Um, and so I do. I also do love the bit where uh, Sean's like, oh my God, she has an appointment with another doctor. When? Now. Really, Sean? Now? No, in like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, uh, I mean, yeah, we, we are like referring, first of all, um, last So I just breezed through that because we spent a lot of tangents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lassie's a crack shot. Guy's yeah. amazing with the biscuit. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to just do a biscuit talk every time. Oh, well, of um, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's a regular Colonel Sanders with a biscuit. Yeah. So, I mean, but, but like, referring back to what I said previously, Martin Brody's trying to eliminate, essentially, yeah. I think what, what, I'm, what we're trying to gather here is that he's trying to eliminate Regina eliminating the male personalities out of this. Yes, whole... that she is, that Martin Brody is killing these doctors to prevent Regina from going through this with this surgery. Once again, right. this makes no sense whatsoever because if Regina is aware of Robert, she wouldn't do that to Robert. Right. Like, that just is dumb. Anyway, yeah. they end up stopping the killing. Um and uh they um Bob, of course, Robert is confused by all of this, poor guy, but we learn he got into a great mental hospital, H T Windsor in Chicago, which I should have Googled to see if it's real. I don't know if it is. Um, yeah, I didn't either. And uh, we have a payoff on the receptionist joke where they have a new receptionist named Leslie. But what's the problem with this Leslie? Leslie's a man. Um, and not only is he a man, but he's a man that makes him look like, you know, not the most. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's like a, he's like a fucking he's a hot guy. Yeah, yeah, he's a hot dude. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so Sean fires him via text, which, of course, is an absolute labor violation. It's a labor violation, and you know, as a dutiful, you know, left-leaning person, I have to take obviously this he should have unionized, um, but he gets fired, 
and uh, the episode ends. What do you? Well, California, at? California is an at will state or at higher state. It's one of those things where they can it's fire a, you it's whenever. A, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, oh no, but you still can't be fired because of a uh, race, gender, or anything like that. So he, he still has a case. If they were to express that, yeah. Of course, yeah. I I agree that it's not. Pro- I'm not saying it's provable in the court of law, but we know he's getting fired because he's a man. Yeah, so, yeah like, we it know, is we a labor violation. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, what do you get this upside of ten? Okay, so it was like looking good for me for a while. I was like mm-hmm. on, I was like on the the track to like an eight, but I ended up crapping out to seven just because like yeah. I can't possibly feel good about like. Whatever yes. happened. Also, it's back in the day when I first saw this episode, I thought it was great because I was one, we didn't know that much about transness, and also I was like eleven. Um, but like the thing, the thing, the reason why I think dissociative identity disorder is such a juicy thing for movies and TV is because if it actually does work the way it does, say in Split, it is the most narratively interesting thing a character can be. The yes. problem, of course, is when they treat it like an actual diagnosis, which is why I think Split is actually a really good movie. I don't like when they like really go to the medical terminology about it because it's like Amnite. Sorry, Menage. I'm gonna talk to his real name. Menage. Yeah. We know yeah. this is not actually how it works. So don't give it medical terms. Like that I think that that's it kind of annoys me when people use like an exaggerated version of a disease, but still use the real terminology because it's like, just make it up. Don't don't treat this like it's a real thing. You know what I mean? And so like, this is, that's kind of what hangs you up on this. It's like, it's using all of the terminology of real things to tell Mm -hmm. something that is completely fictional. Yeah. Sure. But anyway, uh, you can follow the show at first psych pod on Twitter. Andre, we won't be able to follow you. You can follow me at, at Andre Barrera. And you can follow me at the J Christie. Please review, subscribe, share it with the biggest psych fan in your life. And more important than all that, tune in next week as we talk about Sean versus the Red Phantom. <laughs>